welcome to Brews with Andrews, the Lancelot Andrews podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening as we discuss one of his works as well as what he has to say with the challenges facing our churches today in this world that seems to get darker and darker and more and more insane by the minute. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's dive in. I'm Father Michael. And I'm Father Alan. And this is Brews with Andrews. Welcome back after such a long hiatus. We have a treat for you today, and that is Lancelot Andrews' sermon on Lot's wife. You know, the strange thing about this is if you want Jesus to use you as an example, poor Lot, he missed out. It's Lot's wife. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't remember a lot, but remember a lot twice. Well, so anyway. It, uh, we, we remember a lot for a different reason. Him and his daughters did the no-no. <laughs> right. And, uh, so that's probably not a good one to do the sermon on. <laughs> but, it, uh, but it's interesting that uh, it's Lot's wife we're going to focus on. And she's the one, of course, had the problems. And is a good example, as we'll talk about later, for all of us. Anyway, I'm going to be enjoying my uh, Guinness as we go through this. Yes, I will be having some sweet baby Jesus. My chocolate peanut butter porter. Um, <laughs> I, I find the sweet baby Jesus just makes everything a little bit better. What'd you bring? Well, since we're going to be talking about fire and brimstone so much, I thought maybe I would bring some sea quench ale. There we go! <laughs> Keep everything in order. We have to make sure it's sequential. Sequential, there we go. Well, our, our boy Andrews loves sequences. And it opens um, with the words are few. <laughs> yeah, uh, but start, start talking about, uh, just remember Lot's wife. As a good uh, note for preachers, the shorter the better. <laughs> because you can remember it, you can carry it with you. It's in your hip pocket when you need to pull it out. So anyway, he starts off talking about just a... The length of this, remember Lot's wife, and those were words that were uttered by Jesus Christ himself. So it's probably something that we should pay attention to. And it slaps the face of all those modern preachers that says we don't need the Old Testament. Because Jesus here is saying, remember the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Nikolaslowski uh, summarized It's an orthodox, this. I think. He summarized this sermon by saying, Andrews appeals in urgent terms for perseverance in conversion, in the renunciation of sin, and in adherence to Christ, something that calls for constant vigilance, human nature being so frail and forgetful. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Every day you make these decisions. You know, you can either go with the secular world, doing what they want you to go with, or you can use your time to a higher calling, which is following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this isn't something that comes up once a month to us, but just about all of us probably in our daily lives. And uh, not to look back, but to look forward. Before he does the remembering in this sermon... I liked his introductory remarks about God's judgment to begin with. 
We live in an age where we pretend like God the Father would never judge anybody. And he starts this sermon off in these recollections of God's judgment in the past. The first one being the lake of Sodom, and the other one being Lot's wife, the pillar. We have a God's punishment against resolute sin. As we know, Sodom and Gomorrah, according to Ezekiel, had the resolute sin of pride. And so they were judged for their sins of commission. But yet we turn to Lot's wife and find, find out that judgment isn't just based upon acts of commission, but also acts of omission, where this is punishment for faint virtue. And he, uh, he used the term Lot's wife of emperor's servant when I had to look it up. <laughs> it's thoughtful, uh, thoughtlessness and uh, lacking the power to perceive. So it's just not the commission of something, uh, but not understanding, uh, lacking the power to put that in your mind and to use it to guide your life, actually. And to, and to remember, rightly, we, we have, what's the quote here? We sprinkle ourselves with the salt of her pillar. Hallelujah, we, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> that we turn not again to follow or fall away from our own steadfastness. If we stop growing, then we stop going. That's my notes. <laughs> it, uh, well, the, just the steadfastness of our faith. You mean I can't walk the aisle, make a decision, and be done with it? No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> Dang. It, uh, but to sprinkle ourselves with the salt of a pillar. Uh, he is using her for an example for all of us. So we can take heed of that, or we can poo-hoo it and go along with our normal ways. So he does start off pretty heavy with that, talking about our steadfastness and our own faith. Anyway, he's got a bunch of good quotes in this one. (laughs) Yeah, he's not always quotable. So after giving his, Andrews gives us his introductory remarks. You know, there's a few words, but they're powerful words. This might be short, but But it's strong. It's strong. (laughs) Um, So after doing his introductory remarks and then his quick reflection on moments of God's judgment, He moves into two necessary reminders, which gets into first in the nature of religion, but then also in the nature of nature itself, where this thing goes. I guess before we move into that section of the sermon, do you have anything noted on your fancy tablet? No, I just got the sermon up. (laughs) Oh, okay. Moving into the two necessary reminders. He goes into the regards of religion. The way he talks about it's a little weird to us in our own day. I think I read this, these chapter or paragraphs three or four times to figure out what the heck are you talking about, Andrews? Well, the nature of what Christ, Jesus, is calling us to remember about Lot's wife lines up with both religion and nature itself. In regards to religion, at first, for religion <laughs> is the heading, so that one was easy. Um, her story is for old timers and for new converts. And she motivates us to take serious progression in the religious life and then but then just in nature itself when it comes to it um, and this is the next paragraph down under that is just as breasts this is andrews i wouldn't come mm-hmm. up with this analogy no i thought um, it was pretty good myself. Yeah, just as <laughs> breasts complete the work of the womb or a healthy regiment complements the work of the physician, so remembering her story completes our first faith. 
It's just the nature of life of growing. And then she motivates us to take serious the proneness to wander astray of our own nature. The Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. The Romans turned their backs on Paul. And then, as he would say, just look around you every day. You don't, you, need to, you don't have to look at the Old Testament or the New Testament to see that people need to remember this lesson. And this was page three in my printout of it. His quote is, The wavering and amaze of others that stand in the plain of Lot's wife, looking about and cannot tell whether to go forward to little Zoar or back again to the ease of Sodom, show plainly that Lot's wife is forgotten. Like, Jesus told us to remember this thing, and look at the state of God's quote-unquote people. Andrews is in England. Everybody's religious in his day. And he says, look how stagnant our faith is. No one's moving forward. And so it's time to return to this simple lesson. And England testifies what happens when you start standing still in the faith. Politics will take the place. But that's for another sermon. But he's making a case for a looking back of antiquity that the, the history of the past can be an example for us moving into the future. And he talks about in here that uh, basically nothing is new under the sun, so we shouldn't dispose of our history or change our history, but to learn from antiquity and to apply that into our future. And uh, I think it's a very uh, strong case uh, that he makes there. Strong case for remembering. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, so before we dive in here to his three points, like a good Southern Baptist boy, Andrews gives us three clear points with a long conclusion. Um, before we get into that, any other observations on the necessity of remembering? Beware of nostalgia, because uh, if you're looking too much to the past, saying, oh, that could we not have what we had before, of the Israelites in the desert saying, when we were in Egypt, that if you wallow in that nostalgia, that is not going to necessarily help you in the present. I think that's well said. It, um, Andrews does not tap on that, but his, his age of the church definitely wasn't plagued that way, but ours definitely is. We, like Lot's wife herself, seems to be in a nostalgic degree of like, can't we just... It was so much fun and easy back give here. Me, give me the good old days. Mm-hmm. So he will get into it, but nostalgia is definitely the nail on the head for our culture. Mm. We use nostalgia to justify our position to stay in the middle. Um, no progressing. According Sometimes to, regression. Figuratively and literally. One of the hardest things to overcome in this walk of faith is force of habit. Because repentance includes doing a 180 turn. And it starts with the heart. When Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so you repentance involves you stop thinking bad thoughts and start thinking good thoughts, and you go in the other direction. But as we know, a thought becomes an act, and an act becomes a habit, and habit becomes character. So you start thinking good thoughts, but what happens is you have all of these bad habits that are that that lead attached you to you. Yeah. And it's hard to start building those good habits when the old bad habits are still there. So that's like the nostalgia. The bad habits start resurfacing. It's like, you remember how good it was? Let's go back to that habit. 
And Andrews mentions also the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Remember the leeks and the onions and the cucumbers we had back in Egypt? Some fine leeks. They they, they sort of forgot the the bricks without straw they were having to make. (laughs) They don't remember that part. (laughs) I know I grew up and it was the old popular praise chorus. Give me that old time religion. religion. And it's like they want that old time religion, but they don't want the depression. No. That produced the brokenness that made that possible. So, yeah. But let me ask you, this this really comes way forward. But forgetting all the hard labor, that is what happens when we just are followers of whatever someone else is saying. Mm-hmm. Remember when we had all this food and everything without thinking mm-hmm. about the hard labor that you went to? So I'm making a case that there was uh, false news media back then. <laughs> they were not being reminded of the whole picture. They were being reminded of part of the picture. And that's what's so dangerous about getting part of a story uh, that you forget the other part, which may have led you to make the choice anyway. He's got a quote in here uh, to apply these points, St. Augustine saying that the uh, salt of this pillar, that we may use it to season our life, to remind ourselves and to, to guide ourselves to season our lives into that new direction. And I'm glad you bring that up because that does pretty much bring us to where he lays out his three points, that being his third point. Right. Unlike some of his sermons where you're trying to figure out what point are you trying to make, this one he lays out. The sermon's going to flow this way. First, He's going to teach us about Christ sending our memory to a story past, of the use of remembering stories in general, and then second, of this particular of Lot's wife, and the points to be remembered in it, and then third, how to apply those points. And for that, he turns to St. Augustine to say we use it to season our lives, or as I would say, make margaritas. (laughs) But you pick your translation. With that, we dive in. Point number one, right after this, of his quote of Augustine, where Christ uses these stories and calls us to remember these stories of the past. Again, Jesus said, remember. So, one of the prime ways that Jesus uses stories to call us to remembrance is that in the office of preaching, by the office of preaching, He reminds us of the fragility of life and the dark days to come. Again, it's Jesus using this material to keep us grounded in reality. He's going to pop any false pipe dream. And and this reminds me of this really wise old man who used to tell his kids when they were growing up, never waste a mistake. Mm -hmm. And uh, we go through these same things over and over again, continuing to repeat the same mistakes. And so he's saying, remember this and use that to guide you forward. Jesus himself uses the office of preaching to keep these things in our minds for remembrance. And then, of course, obviously the clear one is he also uses scripture uh, to keep these things in remembrance. We're told how to hold our actions up in comparison to the actions seen in these stories And then we are to read these stories past so that we do not become the stories of the future. I like that analogy. Mm -hmm. We always want to be remembered, but you don't want to be remembered like Lot's wife. So I think it was A.W. Tozer that says all these biblical stories um, are like the white crosses we see on the highway. Someone died here. Pay attention. (laughs) And so... That's his first point, essentially. Jesus uses remembrance. He does it through the office of preaching, and he does it through Scripture. It was a short point. 
I don't know what was going on in Andrew's life where he says this was central. Maybe he lived in a day where people didn't listen to preachers or scriptures. But I remember, I can't imagine that world. Uh, he will go through the experience of trying to be blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, <laughs> there are times where a little bit, we think it's hostile now. <laughs> and, and, and so maybe as we say that, like maybe that first point is we're having just to remind ourselves and those we're, we're serving to say, look, we did not make up the office of preaching. We did not make up the scriptures. These are the tools Jesus gives us to remember it to begin with. So maybe that's the simple point. Right. We live in an age where people think they don't need preachers and they don't need scriptures. So maybe it is an adequate point. After that point, he moves into point two, which is really the whole reason of reading this sermon. What to remember specifically about Lot's And there's two kinds of remembering. It's remembering examples to follow and remembering examples to flee from. St. Paul will tell us, emulate me because I emulate Christ. And then we have stories like Lot, which was remember Lot and don't emulate um, (laughs) either him or his His wife. wife. Mm -hmm. Or the the writer of Hebrews uh, using Esau, for example, don't emulate him. Mm. Yeah, he goes through, he, he brings up a lot of stories of those. You go on this journey, he gives examples that not everyone's going to make it. He gives a pretty good list of that. He said there's two things to be remembered uh, for all of these. What they did and what the outcome was. It's not rocket science. We're just focused on what they did. So we either repeat it or don't repeat it. And what the outcome was. Do you want to repeat it or to flee from it? Yeah, he's actually got on that what she did that she drew back or looked back, and the looking back part was her sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what she did, she she drew back or looked back. She, what's worse though is she had a dang angel show up. But she's got an angel with her. She still. <laughs> it still looked like I know there, but by the grace of God, there go I. But I imagine if I have this being where I'm tempted to worship, I might say. You might know best. You might know something. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's at the end of the sermon, Andrews makes some uh, comment about, um, and how should we fear if even in the company of angels, one fell back? Well, right. So, and she did not heed the angel's warning as if there was no peril. And she did all that she was forbidden and despised the counsel of God. That's what she did. And the outcome was? Death. Extra salt. (laughs) Uh, She was turned into a salt stone. Those words just by themselves, though, but despised the counsel of God against her own soul. Think about that. With the decisions that we make every day, uh, are we taking the counsel of God and are we applying it? Or are we listening to the message of God and massaging it and making it fit into what our desires want it to be? And uh, hers, obviously, was to go back to the fun and joy that she had before, to, to despise the counsel of God. That's heavy. Think about it. Yeah. Well, and there's this is where he does move into the degree of disobedience. As a preacher, you got to use those alliterations. But it's got this great word in here, and I was shocked when I saw it. But dallied. Dallied. <laughs> when I read that, I thought, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. That was used more commonly in his time than it is now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. We can bring it back. <laughs> yeah. So he, ha- he has here four degrees. Essentially, a wavering mind, slow step, the convulsion of her neck, and then... Not wanting to give up Sodom's ease. We love our ease, especially on a Sunday morning. She began to tire 
Oh, I think I stay in bed this morning. <laughs> it draw back. Uh, I can watch it on live stream <laughs> and not keep pace with Lot and his angels. Not to keep pace with your faith and what it desires. What was it? Uh, bedside Baptist serving under Reverend Sheets. <laughs> so, yeah. So the first degree we talk about just having a wavering mind, and ultimately. It boils down to any time we fall into sin, start to stray from our Lord, it's coming down to just the sin of unbelief. Jesus says, follow me and you'll have abundant life, peace, and joy. And then we say, maybe next time. We just don't believe that there is a measurable reward to following Jesus. It's just unbelief. And so that's, that's the first degree and that leads to all the others. If you have a seed of unbelief, well, it's going to begin to bud with, you're not going to have the energy to actually take the next step. Though her feet were come from thence, her heart stayed there behind. Yeah, that's number, that's third degree, I think. Yeah, part of the third. Yeah, the, the love of Sodom remained in her heart, causing the convulsion of the neck. She cast her eyes for where she longed. It's a, you can take the people out of Egypt, but you can't take the Egypt out of the people. people. And the same way mm-hmm. here is you can take them out of Sodom, but you can't get Sodom out of them. You know, yeah. that's one of the reasons, Lee's here at St. Michael's, that the church is more than a couple of hours in the church on Sundays. Uh, but we try to develop that, that spiritual life to where your joy comes not from looking back to what you've done in the past, but it's looking forward to something. That's why we have so many events at St. Michael's, is to help us to look forward and to make that longing for that future to motivate us to get there, to remember that joy, other than the joy of some other things we've done. Well, I guess. But that's the heart. Moving then into the fourth degree, she didn't want to give up on Sodom's ease. Um, and this is this is the problem with God's people from the beginning. I mean, Jesus says, Come unto me all year, weary or heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We just don't believe that his yoke is easy. We're, we're going to keep using all the yokes of the world for ease. Build up that retirement plan. Get those multiple properties so I'll always have somewhere to flee from my responsibility. And it doesn't work. And But yet, she herself... Yeah, well, it's just so much easier in Sodom. She grew weary of trouble and of shifting so often. Why does Jesus always want to use me and call me to do something? That just doesn't sound easy. And there again, that's the same thing with the children of Israel. It's like they experienced the hardships in the desert. There were hardships. And under that suffering, they wanted to go back and had forgotten how, much, the other suffering. Worse, <laughs> how much worse that other suffering was. They forgot about that. Yeah. Like, what they were experiencing in the desert wasn't as bad as what they had in Egypt. Well, and they had experienced, actually, the power of God mm-hmm. on the Exodus. How you go through that and then say, and after observing that mm-hmm. and seeing God's power, uh, that you would think, well, we'll go back, yeah. do it all over again, whatever. I don't know what they were thinking. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, he's not saying... Uh, I don't have a yoke. You can just be free and do whatever you right, want. Right, just have at it, yeah. There is a yoke, but it, he says that it's easy. 
And we, as soon as we start plowing in that yoke, we immediately forget how bad the yoke was that we had come from, and we want to go back to it. Well, that sort of goes with the relapsing, yeah, relapsing into yeah. the danger and destruction from which they had just so near escaped. What's the word Andrews uses? Recidivation? Yeah, recidivation. <laughs> which means relapse. <laughs> relapse. Yeah, it's the, the ease that's promised to us. She just thought the world's ease was better. Mm-hmm. Jesus tells us, you know, see the things that are above. The easiest way to do that is memorize some scripture. I don't have any time to memorize scripture. How many minutes and hours did you spend scrolling, scrolling on a phone? phone yep. <laughs> like you were, you're meditating on material. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a yoke for escape. Meditate on this material or meditate on his material. And we were just blind. Well, it'd be so much work to actually have to read the Bible. I don't have time to read the Bible. How much news feed did you just read in this last day? And so, anyway, hey, what do you know? We're in need of remembering Lot's wife. Yeah, and he hits, I thought, the nail right on the head with, she preferred Sodom's ease before Zohar's safety. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Yeah. So after we have our, our four degrees... We get into highlighting the doubly heinous nature of her sin. Don't like to talk about sin, but we're going to talk about how heinous <laughs> hers was. And so the, the double heinousness of is that she fell away and looked back after 30 long years of hard faithfulness. I noted here on, the, on my side <laughs> is... Three seconds can undo 30 years. That's it. And, you know, it's just, she was punished the instant she looked back out of willful defection from God's mercies. It doesn't. Thank uh, you, Jesus, for not doing that to me. Yeah. It, uh, but, but it's just showing uh, even what some of our brothers would disagree with us on is uh, you can lose your salvation. Three seconds, even after 30 years. Well, and that's what Lasky notes after the the part that I read is... I'm proud of you reading Lasky. That's yeah. really a pretty good book. Yeah, it better be for 200 bucks. You paid that much? Not that much, but that's what it goes for. <laughs> it, went, it finally went cheaper than that, and so I got it. <laughs> half that price. But, now the part that he goes into, he goes, Andrews really sticks out from his Puritan friends yes. um, with this sermon. He can be bunched with the Puritans when he looked to him for Sabbatarianism and keeping the Sabbath. You're like, yeah, he looks very Puritan. and But then you start reading this one, and you're going, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but the story even about Andrews and the Sabbath and everything, it's his biggest falling away from the Puritans was he went one Sunday afternoon after service to visit one of the Puritan friends, and they were all out in the back. I don't know, had a game of cricket or something going on. (laughs) And that really, I mean, he blew a gasket, and uh, that really was a changing point, I think, in his life when he saw that. Don't honor the Lord just with your lips. Honor him with your lives. Thank you. Anyway, I'm just (laughs) still laughing at the prayer book. But (laughs) Andrews wouldn't mind. He liked it. And so, what does willful defection from God's mercies look like? There's four <laughs> subpoints to this one. She was judged for forgetting all of God's past mercies to her. None the least was having an angel escort. <laughs> um, but all the years of walking with the Lord, you know, it's 
One of the things I love about reading the Psalms is you see the importance of remembering all the good times of the Lord when he was there providing deliverance. So therefore, in the immediate present where you're tempted to doubt that he's going to show up and deliver, you say, he's always delivered. I know he will deliver. And she just didn't remember the 30 years of walking with the Lord. I mean, they were hanging out with Abraham back in the day. He was good, just moving back and forth. And but this story happens every day in our church here. So. Yeah. After God so warmly remembered her all the times in the past, he could have left her dead so many times, but no. She coldly forgot him here. She chose bodily pleasures of Sodom instead of the safety of her soul in Zohar. And then she was judged for looking back, not going back. Sins of the heart are just as bad as the sins of the hand, if not worse. And they cause as much pain. You know, we just went through the passion with Christ and the beatings and floggings and stabbings and all the other things they did. But Polly's greatest pain was a spiritual pain. Uh, but seeing this, acknowledging, then to have people, you know, turn around and go back to Sodom. At, uh, in the heart, at least. In a heartbeat. Faith is a wonderful thing, but your faith, if it's a true faith, can also have you reflect upon things like that. Was that really my joy, or is this really my joy? Different kind of joys, different levels of satisfaction you get from them. And, uh, but I can tell you, for me personally, I much rather prefer this joy than the joy of, of things in my past. It's picking which joy is going to lead you. Is it the safety of what's in front of me, or is it the remembrance of you know, different things? Our joy has to be in our saving Lord. That's it. Wherever he leads us and brings us, it has to be him. I mean, good Lord, how long did did God's people trust in that temple, even when he wasn't showing up in it anymore? (laughs) It's almost like that second temple period where the, the Holy of Holies, the Lord never comes back into it, but you just remember them good old days instead of learning to walk in wisdom, but whatever. So there's punishment. After Andrews highlights the heinousness of her sin and what she's actually being judged for. God had delivered her for 30 years. For three sections, she said, thanks, but no, I think I know better. What's the punishment? Well, we're going to go into a fearful death, which we ought to flee from. (laughs) Uh, After you read this sermon, it does spring things. In perspective? In perspective. Yeah. yeah. One of the guys I worked with in the retail world, he left the company I was with to go off to bigger and better horizons. That ended up being the deep water horizon um, when it blew up in sudden death. When someone is taken through something that immediate, it destroys everything around them, not just them. I think that's part of the challenge of when we have loved ones who are overtaken with the dark thoughts that lead to suicide. It's like Lot, the daughters, you're walking, and then all of a sudden, your mom and wife isn't anymore. I mean, you're you're wrecked. Our deaths have a way of really doing damage. Well, I, I think the very first example goes into sort of what you're talking about. That the sound of death is fearful. What death soever, yet is made more fearful in these ways. And one of them is we desire to die with a short period of relief. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, in sudden death, we fear because we don't get to have those moments having your family around and to apologize for slapping your kid 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but to, to gain that peace, yeah. uh, that relief, 
of being able to say I'm sorry and people are saying I'm sorry to you and you get all that. That doesn't come with a quick death of uh, going to sleep and dying in your sleep. She uh, died in so, her sin. Huh? Just died in her sin. Yeah, died in the sin, exactly. The, the shame that poor Lot's wife has on her now Yeah. because think about how many gentlemen are sneaking away at night to those gentlemen clubs, and if they had the embarrassment of dropping dead there, and so well, it's got right here in the point too. She got she died with her face to Sodom. Yeah, busted. And uh, to have that as your last thought or your last sight or or whatever, your yeah. last act, your last, your last act. act. So yeah. it's a sudden death. It's a death in sin. It's a strange death. Not death by old age, but one full of terror. And then he, he concludes this section with a death without burial. Yeah. To remain a spectacle above the ground of God's wrath. We all want to be remembered, but not that way. <laughs> but you don't want to be named after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many hundred years ago, it talks about Josephus. It said, I myself have seen and beholden it upon her pillar of salt. For it stands to be seen even to this day. So after all this time, her failure is there for everybody to see. Yeah, it's well, and I think that's the reason. The more I've thought about it after going through this sermon, like why the pillar of salt? But salt is there for preserving what it's put on, and so it's she wasn't just turned into a pillar of stone like some Medusa story, which right. is no purpose. It's more than just a memorial. It's it's intended to preserve others from going this way. Well, I mean, Jesus in Mark 9 said, every sacrifice shall be sacrificed, or shall be salted with salt. Yeah. And we are, Paul exhorts us to present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, and we need this salt in order to salt that sacrifice. And, I mean, we tend to think of salt as something you put on meat to preserve it and give it a good flavor. And that's how God would perceive our sacrifice. But on our end, salt was used to rub into wounds, to purify the wounds that it would heal. But it burned like crazy doing it. (laughs) And I mean, it wasn't an Isaiah that said, there is no soundness in you, like from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You're just full of sores. But Mm. we we take this salt and put it in our wounds and it it hurts. Well, it's to cleanse. But it is to cleanse and to heal us. And uh, even with our holy water, when we're blessing the salt and everything, uh, that it may purify Mm -hmm. the evil or the sin wherever it may be used. And so salt... uh, And as we present our bodies a living sacrifice in worship, Mm -hmm. that transforms us. It purifies us. It heals us. It brings us closer to God. And I love the term he uses, that we are remembrancers. And to me, that's akin to being imagers as well. Right. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. He uses stories. The, most of the Bible is narrative. It's stories to help us learn and become closer to God. And even our Mass, the, the Eucharist itself, is something that Jesus commanded, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of mm-hmm. me. We are remembrancers. And we have to bring these things to remembrance over and over because otherwise we're forgetful. Right. Like Lot's wife, she forgot. She didn't remember. She, and that's what—that's the whole point. And it's why we Peter, purposefully, outside of Christ, we know how to be remembrancers. Mm-hmm. So if you offend me, mm-hmm. I know how to keep that in remembrance. Uh-huh. I'll keep playing that event over and over in my head just, just to maintain mm-hmm. my dislike of you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, well... You got it. 
Like that's the exercise we're talking about. Now remember these things. Like keep this one in remembrance mm-hmm. to transform us. Exactly. And that's why Paul said that we, with open face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are changed from glory to glory to, yeah. as by the Spirit of the Lord. Because we are beholding that glory. And we, if we keep that in sight, you keep watching, that's what we change you become into. it. <laughs> that's why Peter had to keep his eyes on Jesus. Because as soon as he looked at the waters, he forgot. He's no longer remembered seeing and he starts sinking. Yeah. That's, that's why thinking. it was named the rock. <laughs> yep. Sunk like a stone. <laughs> so this is perfect transition to point Three, this is the goody stuff. How to apply these lessons of Lot's wife, her story, that the salt of this pillar may be season of our lives. Now this pillar was erected, and this verger given it for our sake, among the ways that the wisdom of God uses to dispose of the sin of man, and out of evil to draw good, this one, and a chief one, that he suffereth not their evil examples to vanish as a shadow, but maketh them to stand as pillars for ages to come with the heathen man's inscription. Look on me, learn by me to serve God better. So God records all the mistakes of God's people, not just to give us a story, but to say, do better. Starting with that dang apple tree. Apple being malum tree, I guess. And then on on through it. Right after that, I love the, uh, that as the scent from Mary Magdalene's ornament. Mm-hmm. So a relish from Lot's wife's pillar should remain to all posterity. It so. should. Here's Andrew saying, uh. look, God doesn't set up these pillars, these statues, so that we do as they did. We set it up to make sure we don't do as they did. I had here today, we erase the mistakes of the past so as to avoid the discomfort of their offense. This is just a historical monument for us to, how about this, just learn from it. These guys, it's really precisely that stated and to make those that were unprofitable to themselves profitable to us. For sure, though Lot's wife was evil, her salt is good. Yeah. So it's like her consequences are there for our benefit. And I'm always big talking about consequences. Well, this is the consequences that affect other people as well. I mean, God could erase the memory of evil, but instead preserves its memory so that good can be pursued next time. Memory can be used to find wisdom. We, I mean, there's nothing more offensive. We, we look at Lot's wife's pillar and think, well, God did that woman wrong. I mean, all she did was look back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He knows that this evil, it's evil. Her sin, evil. Her choice, evil. But it's turned to good if we learn by its example. And then after that, so what are the lessons to be learned from Lot's wife? What should we get from that? What was Jesus telling us to remember? Well, according to Andrews, essentially, perseverance. (laughs) Perseverance, perseverance, (laughs) perseverance. Do care, intentionality, and fear. So the first one, perseverance. This is, as he would say, this is the queen and preserver of virtue. If you don't got perseverance, it's not, none of it's worth it. We gotta have Perseverance, lesson number one. We end it with perseverance 
is the only crowned virtue. You've got to have it. He also calls it the preserver of virtues. Yeah. yeah. As, as Gregory called it. You have your apostolic fathers. I know the Didache has that line in there about persevering. I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but it says, Watch over your life. Do not let your lamps go out, and do not be unprepared, but be ready. For you do not know the hour when our Lord is coming. Gather together frequently, seeking the things that benefit your souls. For all the time you have believed will be of no use to you if you are not found perfect in the last time. Yep, that's the one. That's the one. You're <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> what good is it if you're not actually practicing when the master of the, the house shows up? Yep, that's definitely the quote. Good job. Work out your own salvation. Well, yeah, and that one. That one's definitely offensive because you're trembling. Uh, well, no, no. The, the plural second person of that passage. Y'all work out y'all salvation with fear and trembling. It's the Lord who worketh in y'all. It's not an individual text. Mm-hmm. It's a corporate text. Mm-hmm. And if you're not actually engaging the body of Christ actively toward salvation, eh, then you've got something different than that verse at least. Yeah, now writer of Hebrews is the same thing when saying not to be like Esau. He says, make straight paths for your feet, plural. Like, everybody help each other flatten out the way so nobody trips and nobody falls. Right. But you're going together. Yeah. Not just make a straight path for your own feet. <laughs> individually. So, yeah, that's, that's where that passage gets offensive. In this day and age, what do you mean? I can't do it on my own. Yeah. Pull myself up my own bootstraps. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> end up like Lot's wife. And then from perseverance... He would say, now perseverance we shall attain if we can possess our souls with due care and rid them of security. <laughs> what will do that? Fear will do it. <laughs> yeah, well, so fear will get us there. But really here, this idea of security, it struck me at first. And I, yeah. finally, and I finally wrote here, I was like, well, I guess finding security either in the temporal or the eternal. Like, you can't have both. Of Lot's wife's security, as of water, was this salt here made. As if security, as water, do but touch it, it melts away presently. But care will make us fix our eye, gather up our feet, and forgetting that which is behind, to follow hard towards the prize of our high calling. It's where do we get our security from? Jeez, Louise, that one's loaded. Yeah, I mean, you can go all over with that. uh, But when it's got the only way to be secure in fear is to fear security. We're all trying to hedge our bets to get just some sense of security. And anything in this world is... It has about as much chance of giving us security as salt does to water. Right. One drop of water right through that pillar of salt. And that's if you're trusting in anything in this life to say, I've made it, I'm okay, then you're not going to find perseverance. You're going to have your guard down. And that's when he moves into lesson three of the fear. And he, the quote you had there of good old St. Bernard, the only way to be secure in fear is to fear security. Do you feel like you've made it? Be afraid. That's exactly the implication I get out of that, especially for today's world. All of these things that we seek, that we think is going to bring us all of this joy and happiness, security financially, physically, 
however you want to look at it. The road you're setting yourself on is going to be full of fear because you've got to do this or you've got to do that to get that security of the big house or whatever. And so what we set up as security in our future, we have to be careful because it can bring you fear trying to get there, trying to reach that security. So four considerations in point three here um, to be made, as he would say. I think that's pretty much his line there. Each one as a handful of salt to keep us and to make us keep four to go with. The first one, just because one is being led does not mean that one is safe. This world is not a playground. It is a battleground. Here she is being escorted by an angel. You're still not safe. And uh, there's plenty of scriptural warnings. I mean, about the evil one going to and fro. We're not home yet. And so, as you can see here, she's heard God's word. She's moving in the direction of God's word. She has a heavenly escort. And even in that environment, she falters and fails. So, just consider it. Something we should be taking away from this pillar to help ourselves in our faith towards perseverance. And he sort of gets into that with a company of people. He's got Christ 12, which he had sorted and selected from the rest. One miscarried, and then he goes into... Oh, he gives a whole list of, like, (laughs) just pay attention here. This is, I mean, I know growing up, you always had the the argument between, is it once saved, always saved? Is it once saved, always changed? And he's just telling you, look, don't even try to put these things into categories. Just make sure you're learning the lessons of the past and moving forward with your Lord. Uh, this is the same paragraph. Was this your quote? Yeah. Who would not fear right. if one may perish in the company of angels? Mm. Don't think too much of yourself here. I mean, here's someone walking with angels and still falling. So that's, there, there's, there are serious threats to our Faith. Is it Peter or James that said, if any man think he doeth well, let him take heed lest he fall? Yeah, that, he quotes that verse a couple times in here. He wouldn't know that because he's usually speaking in tongues um, of Latin. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's quoted Romans eleven twenty. Be not proud to fear. So yeah. And then the second consideration. <laughs> the inconsistency of one hour can make void a whole life's work. And this one's painful. So painful. I was when I went back to Louisiana and talking with the pastor that I grew up under and reflecting upon really the glory days of this church. I mean, when it looked like the Lord was blessing the socks off this congregation and things were just happening and going. And then now looking back on it, 75% of the men that were moving that thing have all become divorced, have all gone just gone by the wayside. And so it's how quickly something, so many years of faithfulness can just fizzle. Yeah, well, he goes back in this time, the second league with uh, Ezekiel. In the day they turn away to iniquity, all the former righteousness they have done shall not be remembered. I mean, how many big preachers have we seen on TV? Another one bites dust. <laughs> And I mean, great ministries. And I mean, they have one too many glasses of wine at dinner and go home with the wrong woman. 
Do you remember any of that great ministry? Mm. No. Uh, it doesn't take much. <laughs> so consider that one. Um, the third consideration he would say we got to do. The same end is shared by both unrepentant sinners and non-persevering believers. You know, because we'll, we'll preach all day about hell for all them big sinning unbelievers. And yet we never progress out of our materialism. We never progress out of our other sins. And you realize that we're going to end up in the same place, but we're just, because we can brand these people, it makes us feel better. Just be careful. This, uh, if you don't persevere to the end, cross that Jordan trying to be like Jesus, I'm going to say it's probably not going to be all that pleasurable. And then the fourth thing Andrew says, there are 11th hour disqualifications as much as conversions. In our liturgy for the Sunday that we have the parable of the hired servants where the master goes out and hires people all throughout the day all the way up to the 11th hour still hiring people we juxtapose that with paul's own words of saying i don't want to be disqualified at the end so we're trying to put that balance in sure you can be saved on your deathbed uh but you can also reject the lord on your deathbed so let's make sure our confidence is in the right place again andrews kind of sticks out from our puritan friends on this one yeah and uh one of the things that I've got uh, highlighted was about continuing, and who wrote this? Uh, they have taught me from my youth up until now, forsake me not in my old age, now when I am gray-headed. So we had need to stir up our care of continuing, seeing we see it nothing to begin except to continue that perseverance. Or as Nike used to say, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and keep but to doing continue it. in it. We say it's a hard thing to do, but we have grown accustomed to the patterns of living of this world, and we say that's easy. Like we, we know how, as we said, we know how to hold into remembrance someone who has aggrieved us, and so we can keep that going so that we'll never forgive them. Like, so we already practice it, and we say it's so hard to do with Christianity. But it's really just doing the same exercises with the right information. I mean, if you want to continue in the faith, start meditating on these things. And they will continue to transform. They do all the work. Right. Just like a memory does all the work for emotion. Just make sure we're meditating on the right one. The line you read then springboards us into final remembrances. <laughs> Our sweet 16 moments of in conclusion do you ever have a preacher do that one to you give you that in conclusion line and then somehow it goes in for another 20 minutes <laughs> and so i feel like he, this is his sermon and it but it goes 16 things to remember hold on to him so first we remember so that we do not think this can't happen to us oh that never happened to me number two Remember, so that we do not grow weary of what God wants in using us. Now that's Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. Don't miss eternity by things temporal. That section has never buy, as in like purchase, the ease of our body with the hazard of our soul or a few days of vanity with the loss of eternity. Tomorrow never comes to some degree not in our experience. And so therefore it's all about what we can get now and 
if we are not careful, what we're trying to get now will cost us what will be coming what in eternity. What do if we gain the whole world and lose our own soul? Right? Yeah, I've heard that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number three is remembrance. Remember so that we do not stand still in progressing towards God's calling. That's where I noted in the notes here is Philippians 3.14, press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it's uh, keep progressing. And this isn't just an information. I think in the last 10 years, we really thought that progressing meant progressing in knowledge because good lord we got so many bible studies <laughs> mm. and yet divorce hasn't gone down abortion hasn't gone down addiction hasn't gone down so maybe it meant something other than just cramming more information into our skulls maybe <laughs> maybe maybe um, <laughs> let's debate that <laughs> <laughs> i mean again the writer of hebrews is like you know leave the milk and move on to strong meat which is the exercising of your senses for the discerning of good and evil. And then he, in the very next chapter, he's like leaving behind the principles of the doctrines of like baptism, I know, right? yeah. resurrection of the dead. Yeah. You're like, wait, what? We got to move past that? <laughs> well, that was it. Yeah. Um, well, that was we angle, were right? saved <laughs> to make argument about what's the best mode of baptism. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, didn't, I mean, that's why Jesus saved us, is to go and beat up on the Anabaptists, and he saved the Anabaptists to go beat up on the Catholics. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole point. And he's saying these are good to get you from where you were to where you are now. Now move on. But you don't have to stay there. You, now we got to move ahead. <laughs> Keep moving. Can you imagine that? The Lord comes back. Are y'all still arguing over what kind of water to use? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez, no progression. So anyway, moving on to point four. Remember so that we do not look back after putting the hand to the plow. Plagiarize Jesus. Mm-hmm. Luke 9, 62. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Or we're like ox that put on an easy yoke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't look back. Don't look back. They're old pleasures. They are very misleading. Number five. Remember... So that we do not leave the old ways in our heart. And this is again Luke 11, 24 to 26. You'll see, because the last state of that person is worse than the first. You know, we get, get our hearts all cleaned up and then we never actually put any new loves in there. Because force of habit will take over again. Mm hmm. And pull you back. All right. Add there the Proverbs 4 23 added to the side of. Guard your heart with all diligence, for everything you do flows from it. She didn't guard her heart. Put put the wrong stuff in there. Number six, remember so that we do not squander slash waste a lifetime of God's mercy. Put 2 Corinthians 6.1 there. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I do not frustrate the grace of God. <laughs> you know, it's just that anybody here prayed the prayer that I'm really good at praying, saying, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so it's, he got you out of it. I mean, are you resp- are you grateful for that one? Or you forget it? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many tight spots did Lot and his wife get taken out of? Mm-hmm. By God's mercy, just by him being essentially engrafted into Abraham's blessing. And yet comes to this little point, this little fleeting point of pleasure, and it's wiped out. And then, is it, where are we at? Six, number seven, 
Remember, so that we end our lives in the Spirit and not in the folly of flesh. Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? There she was. Now that we may the better learn somewhat out of her punishment too, let us also, that as to her, so to us, God may send some unusual visitation and take us suddenly away and in the act of sin too. Heaven forbid you be taken away in sin just because you turned back to it thinking it was going to make your life better. Eight, remember so that our lives leave testimonies of grace not disgrace. <laughs> Got a couple of those, right? Mm -hmm. Number nine. Remember, so that we do not create a scandal by falling as she did. Think of Psalm seventy-three, fifteen, with that one. If I had, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. It's one of the consequences of us becoming so individualistic. We just think it's about me and Jesus and my salvation but not realizing that when our faith lapses, our families and our friends suffer from that. And so the same way with here. I mean, here's your, your mother. You know, you're meant to be a matriarch of the family. And when you fall in sin, I mean, what's the rippling effect in that family? It didn't end well. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the founding of the, well, they're the founding of the Moabites, right? Does Moabites come out of Lot and his daughters? Moab, Moab and Ammon. Yeah. Was, they were one of each. One yeah, of each so, I mean, what a way to start the family mm. off. And nice prophecies about Moab and Ammon, too. Yeah. Old Testament. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we just, we take it for granted. We think that the buck stops with us, and we forget about the ramifications of, well, if I quit practicing my faith, that's just between me and God. And you realize that we've been saved into a body, into a corporate family. And so therefore, when, if we stop practicing, it's not just ourselves that are in danger, but it's all those around us. And so Andrew says, we got to remember these things. And, you know, we will betray the, our own, every generation around us if we fall. And then, he, oh, he keeps going. All right, number 10. Remember so that we do not leave behind the memory of infamy. Kind of goes along hand on the same side. Apparently he's making that point. You try to place these things within their time. And boy, there was so much backstabbing and people not walking by the faith they profess. I mean, in the monarchy and everything else that you wonder if he's just hammering that one to try to get it into their thick skulls. Number 11, remember so that we do not long for lesser things and others take our place. I mean, if we fall by the wayside, the Lord will raise up his people. Someone else will get the blessing. Number 12, remember so that we stay in step with the Spirit, leaving no vacancy for other spirits. And that one, remember the difficulty of reclaiming to good seven evil spirits entering instead of one, that their last state is worse than their first. You gotta stay in step because reclaiming the ground on the other side is gonna be sevenfold more difficult than if you had just stayed the course. Number 13, somehow he says, and lastly, but then goes on to make a couple more points. And lastly, remember, so that we do not justify Sodom by the way we live. To not go the way of virtue is to go the way of vice. We can't just preach against Sodom. We can't live like Sodom. Tell me that doesn't have a, we don't have that problem in the church today. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about all the vices of the world, but we're going to still do it. 
Mm. I mean, we're going to max out our credit cards. We're going to have all the experiences of materialism and blessing, but we're going to preach against it on Sunday. Mm. And so Andrew is just saying, look, this is our problem. This is why Jesus says, remember these things. Number 14 said conveniently after the point he said was last. Remember now while we have time to learn from her mistakes. Number 15, remember Christ is the one who gave us this story. Conform to him, not Lot's wife. And then finally, that I count at least, the sweet 16, remember so that we persevere and will be remembered by the Lord in the book of life, not those other books that get opened up in the book of Daniel. As we faithfully remember him now, he will remember us into eternity. And then being a good queen's man, Andrews does conclude the service, tipping a hat to the monarchy, talking about the blessing of living under such a queen who indeed remembers Lot's wife every day of her life. And the, the key to all this that's got in here, the act of, and you read part of it, I don't care who you read that from, the highest act of religion is for the Christian to conform himself. So all of this we have, all the memories, all the preaching, all of the spiritual life, the highest act of religion is to conform yourself to that. And like you said, not to Lot's wife, but to Christ, whose name we proclaim. So and that's the sermon. Else? No, that's, that pretty much leads us through Lancelot Andrews' sermon on remember Lot's wife as attested to in Luke 17, verse 32. Well, that being said, uh, let us remember, the Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Dear Lord, we uh, give thee thanks for these uh, moments to gather together to study the writing of one of the leaders of our Anglican faith, Lancelot Andrews, and in his revealing more of the true meaning of, of God's words and the gospel and the writings and for leading us to a future that we're not, not looking back to our past, but looking ahead to the the praise and the glory uh, that we're going to have one day with you. In that name we pray. Amen. Amen.